Welcome to TSO Consulting Group's DEI podcast series, Why Is It So Hard? Shining Through the Shadow of Resistance. I'm Dr. Tanya Breland. And I am Erica Lee. Welcome back. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> We're so glad that you joined us. Um, I'm Tanya Breland. And I'm Erica Leek. And this is our podcast, Why Is It So Hard? <laughs> Shining Through the Shadow of Resistance. And those of you who have joined us before know that we really try to really uh, talk about those things that prevent us from being the society that we want, which is socially just and free. Yes. Um, and we really seek to make sure that we have conversations that challenge us all mm -hmm. to be the change that we want to see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So today our topic is another heavy one. You know, I'll yeah. tell you our last our last podcast was uh, was Pretty really kind of heavy. Yeah. yeah. But you know, yeah. when we're talking about, you know, um, equity or racial equity, it is heavy. You yeah, know, it's it it's really difficult to not be, you know, to we can't joke about these things because it's not a funny matter. Well, you know? and I think it's literally an answer to the question of our the title of our podcast. Why is it so hard? You know, it's hard because these topics are really heavy and right. it exhausts people yes. um, not, not only to under undergo um, it and to endure some of the challenges that come along with 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 some of the concepts and 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 systems that we talk about but also to even talk about it sometimes to talk about it it gets so complex and so heavy yes and yes. so triggering that mm -hmm. people intentionally stay away from it mm -hmm. but what we're saying is let's not avoid it anymore right let's lean into yeah. these conversations yeah. i feel like the more we can talk about the difficult topics it's kind of like in like our marital relationships so once we can have that really intimate conversation yeah. about something that's really challenging, we can now move forward, yes. you know? And yes. so- And we're better for it. We are. We're better right. for it. After we're we're stronger communicators. That's right. We have a closer relationship yes. with one another. Yes. And isn't this all about relationships? You it know, absolutely is. You know, when we have these conversations, we really are, are having them kind of as a model for you yes. to encourage you to have the conversations. And we know when it comes to the topic of race, that is one of the most uncomfortable conversations mm -hmm. that people can have yes. and avoid. And society, quite honestly, has not given people permission That's to right. have these conversations. That's right. Because if you're uncomfortable, we're not going to talk about it. Yeah, we'll stay know? away from it. Right. We'll stay but, away from it. You know, right? that's the whole reason why talk therapy is so important. Mm -hmm. Because when we talk about it, mm -hmm. we feel better. That's right. That's you know? right. So, Absolutely. And, you know, psychology is one of my degrees. And so it's like, I know that it's really important for us to not hold on to, you know, topics and issues and concerns and not have you know, opportunities to really express ourselves. So this is what we're doing. You know, we're That's trying right. to express ourselves. We're trying to have, you know, open dialogue about uncomfortable topics. Yes. <clears throat> we want to encourage you to um, not be afraid to venture into the uncomfortable space because that's where our growth is. That's right. Um, that's where we have an opportunity to learn. Mm -hmm. um, and so today we're going to talk about how did we get there? So 
how did we get in a space? Or how do we get how here? How do we get here? How do we get here? How do we get here? Yeah. How do we get into a space where, you know, racial inequities are, you know, just sort of the rule of the day? Yeah. How did we get to a space where, you know, there are, you know, kids in 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 certain school districts, it's just, you know, sort of taken for granted or it's, we know that they're not getting the high quality educational experience as other kids in, in other districts. Mm -hmm. How did mm -hmm. we get to a place where we know, you know, from outcomes that we, we talked in an earlier podcast about sort of the lack of <coughs> teachers of color. Mm -hmm. and, and we just take it as a, you know, as, as, a, as a, not a rule of thumb, but it's just a part of sort of the society that we live in, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. over incarceration rates of, of black men, like all of those, you know, underemployment mm -hmm. of, of, of um, black men and women. So how do we get, how do we get here? How do we get into this space, particularly in the education space where racial inequities are, you know, just a given? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, where'd that come from? It was not by accident. Yeah. Um, it was not, um, it's not by happenstance, happenstance. Um, unfortunately, it was by design. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of research, a lot of research mm -hmm. out there to support what we're going to talk about yeah. today to help you understand some of the history behind the inequities that exist um, in particular in our school system mm -hmm. um, and why we see such great disparities um, among children of color, in particular black and brown children, um, as compared to their white and their Asian peers, you see outcomes that are vastly different. Um, and it's easy to say, well, these kids aren't motivated or mm -hmm. these kids aren't um, you know, they're not coming with the same level of language or these kids aren't, um, their parents don't have education and they don't, they don't value education. Yeah. All of that is a deficit yes. mindset and a deficit view um, of students. Um, and it's very narrowed because mm -hmm. you obviously don't understand the root causes um, or the history behind, you know, why some black and brown students uh, struggle um, and what's what's behind all of yeah. that um, and so I think you know this topic today like you know some of our other topics is a heavy one yes. um, and understanding it is really heavy um, you know we can look at a lot of data around our students of color black and brown students in particular and we can see that um, their academic outcomes um, are not where their mm -hmm. white and their Asian counterparts are. Mm -hmm. We can also see where they have not had the opportunities and access to um, AP honors yeah. and gifted and talented courses. We've talked about that in an earlier podcast. Um, we can see where they are disciplined at higher rates than yes. their peers. Yes. Um, where they are identified as um, special education students mm -hmm. at higher rates than their peers. And all of that is not by accident. 
Very true. So then let's talk about the origins of, let's just talk about the, the beginnings of the public school system. So if you're an educator joining in, you probably know that, you know, the, the mass school system or the public school system really kind of started around the time um, that in the 1800s, right? So before then, um, there really was no system, particularly for poor white um, students, like for those that were upper middle class and wealthy, there were private tutors. And that was a big business or private boarding schools. And, and so there was really sort of this, this private system. But around the 1800s, some of you may have heard of Horace Mann, there were these, um, these, these com kind of these common schools that started to pop up. So we have this one system on the one hand that was designed for poor white students, mm -hmm. right? Because at that time, a, a, a wealthy family would never send their child. And we still have that sometimes, mm -hmm. right? We still have that in some cases. They would never send their child to this common school system. But at the same time, at the 1800s, there are a group, a, a, an entire population that is enslaved um, in the South. Mm -hmm. And not only are there no schools for them, but it is against the law right. at this time to teach any African-American, any enslaved person to read or to write. That's correct. I mean, and, you know, at that time, the <coughs> those who, you know, the the the, the people who owned those forced labor camps, those plantations, they actually could have been fined or it was against the law. So you could not teach your your anybody who was enslaved to to read or write. So, so let's, it starts let's there. Stop there just for a moment. Yeah. So what is it that you think that they were um, trying to stop from happening? Enlightenment, enlightenment, empowerment. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 Because when, you know, if 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 their enslaved um, people were readers and writers, what could they have done? And some became readers and writers. They sure did. It was against the law. Um, sure and did. Some did. And 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 we also see, you know, we see, you know, former enslaved people having written um, Text mm -hmm. that we have access to mm -hmm. today. Frederick Douglass yep. is a perfect mm -hmm. example. Sojourner Truth. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, so we, we can see the power yeah. behind them being able to read and write right. because now they That's can right. advocate for themselves. That's right. Um, they can speak up, um, they can share a perspective, mm -hmm. you know. So all of that was illegal. Illegal. And what's interesting, just in terms of when you look at, you know, so, so, you know, the United States did not invent slavery, obviously, right? right? And so when you look at other slave owning systems and societies, you know, they did not necessarily prevent, you know, their enslaved people. It's so interesting the way that sort of um, slavery kind of develops in, in, in this society. Um, we know that in, let's say, like even in ancient Greece that you know, it was actually enslaved people who did a lot of the of the reading and writing. I mean, that was their job, right? But here, you know, there was this this system that said, um, "We know the power that comes with the written word. Mm -hmm. We know the power that comes with literacy, and we don't want you to have that and power. we don't want you to have that power." <clears throat> so there's this really very deliberate system mm -hmm. 
um, that is part of the marginalization and is part of the oppression to keep this um, this skill, this learning away from this population. At the same time, this um, this system of schooling is is birthed and being developed. Right. Right. And so at the start of, you know, the, the sort of at the time it's called like common schools, but at the start of the public school system in, in, in the United States, we do have this sort of bifurcated or this really dual system. And by the way, that common school was only for poor whites. Mm -hmm. So we see that we see this this starting. So we do have there is a social economic um sort of um element to it to it as well and we see in different we see how school is used in different spaces so for instance in the indigenous population with native americans school is used really to educate the culture out of them right 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 to, to erase to their erase, native culture that's right that's right, right. so school is used as erasure <laughs> and the same it is the same for mexican and, and violence and, and violence right. that's right right and the same is used for for mexican um children as well and so we see these really sort of calculated um, um approaches mm -hmm. uh, how school and education is used <coughs> to marginalize and oppress these different populations but for african americans it is withheld on completely mass, completely right and and it is illegal to even think about it right right so right. then after you know um emancipation after the civil war mm -hmm. we mm -hmm. have this free group mm -hmm. now right mm -hmm. they are no longer enslaved and so then we have in, in the school system, we actually have communities that say, communities of black people who are freely, um, 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 newly um, freed, and they say like, we wanna learn, because right. we know that right. that's been withheld. Right. So right. they say, we wanna learn. Right, and, and they form their own schools. And they form their own schools, that's you right. Know, and you know, as early as the early 1900s, um, you know, while some schools, um, the white schools were getting funding yeah. from, um, from the government, uh, many of those black schools were not yeah. getting the funding. Mm -hmm. um, or later on, if they got any funding, it was significantly less. Yes. Um, if they got, you know, if the white community was given, you know, 10 school buses, you know that white community, that black community, might be given one school bus or none, or none, mm -hmm. um, and there were major disparities in how um, funding, the allocation of funds, took place. Yes, we even see. I was at um, last year. I, I, I visited the Civil Rights Museum in Memphis, and I, I pulled this up on my phone because I took a picture of um, the, and it says, "You do the math." You know, black schools are not equal to white schools. And it talks about the difference in teacher salaries. Mm -hmm. um, and this was around 1916, where in um, Georgia, teachers, um, white teachers earned $200 more than black teachers. Um, and, and at that time, they were earning like $319 mm -hmm. in salary versus $119. So that's right. a $200 difference. Uh, in South Carolina, there was another $200 plus difference. In Louisiana, there was an almost $400 difference where white teachers earned $529, black teachers earned $160. School funding was very different. Um, uh, when they looked at public funding for 
for the construction of colleges. Um, the fund and public funding means that's the funding that came from the government. So 92.24%, so let me do it again, 92.24% <laughs> was allocated for the white schools to be constructed and 7.76% was allocated for the black schools. Um, when it came to expenditure on um, instruction per pupil, and this is in 1935, $71.13 was allocated for white students, while $37.57 was allocated for black students. And so we see major discrepancies yes. early in yes. our history where the funding wasn't even there. We're not even going to give you the, the funding to create spaces yes. that are equal to mm -hmm. or even better than god forbid um <laughs> that wasn't going to happen you know then um then the white students yeah in in the in the country and so yep. so we see this this huge discrepancy mm -hmm. and mind you the vast majority of um you know enslaved people black people lived in the South, mm -hmm. you know, until we had the, the Great Migration, which took place over a number of, of years, mm -hmm. where we saw um, blacks leaving the South, sometimes not, e in, not even um, easily able right. to leave the South, right. to migrate to the North where they believed there were opportunities, mm -hmm. still encountering, you know, um, sections of society that were discriminatory and so you know even when I, I talked to like my father and his peers in you know and they're in their 70s currently and they um, they were in the Chicago public school system in the 60s in the 60s they were protesting because they didn't see representation mm -hmm. of black teachers mm -hmm. or administrators mm -hmm. they were protesting because they didn't have equal and fair treatment in their schools. Um, and of course, this was a time where protesting was, you know, probably um, more, you know, readily, yeah. um, not accessible, that's not the right word, but was but, happening yes. more. And this was a time that it was acceptable, if you will. But pre-Brown v. Board, which was 1954, pre-Brown v. Board, you know, the segregation that took place in schools um, also was a segregation monetarily yeah. you know in terms of allocation of resources and that was by design yes it was and that's even even in the the communities where there were schools it wasn't a guarantee that kids would actually be allowed to go right i was reading a um uh, the biography of fannie lou hamer grew up in you know she was born in, and raised in mississippi she was born, I think, in the 1920s. And one of the things that she said was, you know, they were a sharecropping family. And so that meant that the owner of the land really got to determine, you know, um, who went to school. And so when she was in sixth grade, she was forced to stop because the owner of the land said, we need more people working here. She can no longer go to school. So even in like the economic system, you know, even if there were, you know, even when there were, you know, these substandard schools, mm -hmm. you know, it didn't always mean that kids were allowed to go mm -hmm. very often. Right. They were, they were, and you know, so. I, would, I wouldn't so much say substandard as I would say under-resourced. Under-resourced, You know, yeah. because, mm -hmm. you know, they worked with what they had. Yes. You know, and, and while, you know, what they had wasn't what their counterparts yeah. had, 
And I guess, in, yes. you know, by default, I guess that is substandard. Mm -hmm. But really, it's because it's under-resourced. Mm -hmm. So now we're talking about generations. Yeah, who, that was going to be my next point. There you go. That, go ahead. You know, year after year, mm -hmm. right? So we're talking, you know, so Reconstruction happened, starts maybe 1870s or so. After, so after, after the Civil after, War. Right, so mm -hmm. we have Reconstruction. So year after year. So Reconstruction is like sort of a bright spot yeah. that kind of like went, a, a little renaissance. Went. Yes, right. right? But, but it was quickly but it was, shut yes, down. Yes, right. You know, so where, you know, um, blacks were rising yes. in, you know, in politics, mm -hmm. in government, mm -hmm. um, you know, in, in various um, aspects of society. Yes. Um, it, it quickly shifted Squashed. gears yes. with, you know, the, the, next president Rise that of the came. Jim Crow South and, mm -hmm. and yeah and so you and know, there were the black laws yep you know which also limited so sometimes when black families wanted to move north they were they, they were, were stopped that's right and it was against the law for them to leave and that's travel right. outside Lot, of the state lots of lots of <clears throat> accounts of black people leaving the south in the middle of the night mm -hmm. right lots like of escaping escaping freed black freed people. black that's mm -hmm. right es escaping and so when we when we think about the schools and we think about these under-resourced schools, you know, there's generation after generation mm -hmm. after generation. My own grandmother went to the sixth grade and she just could not continue in school anymore. Mm -hmm. She herself lived on a, uh, you know, in a sharecropping um, family and she went to work as a domestic. And my so, grandfather went to 10th grade. He yeah. received his GED as a senior citizen. Yeah. My grandfather didn't go to school at all, mm -hmm. you know? And so generation after generation after generation. Now think about, you know, um, think about the white families, you know, who back in the 1800s were able to send, you know, the poor white families were able to send their kids to school, right? And so they gain skills and they gain literacy and year after year and generation after generation, we do a little bit better and we do a little bit better economically and we're able to send our kids to better schools and right. we're right. So right. we're able to, and, to and do that. Let's talk about the GI Bill that comes yes. along, you know, again, pre yes. um, pre Brown mm -hmm. v. Board, mm -hmm. you know, and the GI Bill gave, you know, soldiers, veterans access to resources yes. to be able to um, uh, buy homes, buy property, thus creating the middle class, That's right. go to college. Mm -hmm. And while it should have been extended to all of the black soldiers, they did not all That's right. receive the GI Bill. They were not all able to take advantage of that right. because of the way the system That's was right. set up. That's right. You know, and then we look at housing mm -hmm. in this country. You know, there was redlining, which was um, uh, a way like this was this was legislation that allowed communities to be divided yes. based upon color and that loans weren't given to people who lived in in certain areas, typically black people. Um, and that that redlining also meant that, you know, the property values were going to be extremely low, um, you know, which wipes out the opportunity for yep. economic wealth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, there's a huge economic um, gap. That gap still exists, by the way, yes. today. Yes. So, yes. you know, we have not even corrected what was 
um, intentional. Right. It hasn't even been corrected. There's yeah. a huge wealth gap mm -hmm. between white families and black families and Latino families in our country. Yeah. It still exists today. It's still, well, you know, the original question was, how do we get here? How do we get here? And so these systems, you know, these, these systems that we're, you know, describing and talking about, you know, the way that they started really sort of translates into it, answers the question, how did we get here? We are still dealing with redlining. Yep. You know, when we look at, you know, the ghettos in the, you know, in, in these, these under-resourced areas, you know, and everybody says, well, they have resources now, and it, you know, but the truth is, they you don't. know, they, were they don't, and they were created to not have resources. Right, right, and, and a lot of um, urban areas experience white flight. Yeah. So what that meant was that the, you know, uh, white families and businesses mm -hmm. left, leaving um, marginalized groups of people, yes. pe groups of people who have been marginalized, mm -hmm. you know, in communities that don't have resources because our school system is based on the taxes That's of right. that community. That's right. And so if you've got people who are living in the area who are not homeowners or who don't own businesses and the businesses aren't paying taxes to help support the school system, we still today have under-resourced yes. schools all across this country filled with a majority minority. I don't like the word minority, but know, a majority students of color. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so if they're under-resourced, you know, we, that means that these children are not getting access to what their counterparts are getting in wealthier areas. Yes. And, you know, the, the part of the challenge is, you know, when, when we find a school that's, that's in a community that is under-resourced. And let's say, I know like years ago, you know, um, in, in New Jersey with, with the Abbott ruling and all, they got all this money and it, they're still, but it's like, this is, this is generational. Mm -hmm. So, so after after two or three years or five years or even 10 years of more money in a school district, it doesn't erase, you know, the harm from redlining. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. redlining also said that, you know, you can't get a mortgage in that community. And if you do get a mortgage, it can't be insured. Mm -hmm. And you know what the, the standard for redlining was? 10. So I think it was something like 10%. If 10% of African-Americans lived in a community, that community was redlined. Mm -hmm. you know, it, I, I think, I think about that, and that was federal legislation. It right. was federal right. policy. It was right. the American government. Right. And so when we think about you know, these, com these communities that are under-resourced, that and, we- And we still see today, we, we still see today where you know, black families have to like take pictures off their walls when they look to to, to um, sell their homes yes. to get the higher values. Yes. yes. Today yes. we still Today. see that. Today. And so, you know, you want to know why it is that there there are these major gaps in 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 wealth and gaps in income and gaps in, you know, um in in terms of the access students have mm -hmm. to high quality schooling and instruction. This was all made, all this was it. all designed. It, it was all designed because yeah. even when, you know, we were talking about And systems, well documented, by the way. Yes, yes. So we talked, you know, of, in the, an earlier podcast about, you know, the lack of access that black students have, black and Hispanic students have to AP and honors, even if they're in an integrated school district. And that was really a part of the way to appease white parents who said, <coughs> okay, if we have to deal with integration, 
we will, but we want our kids to be separate. Mm -hmm. And so they devised a, you know, the way that they did that was, okay, so maybe they can come in the same school district, but then, you know, we'll have these really different systems. And tracking. The, the, right, the right. tracking system. We will track students, yes. you know. Again, like you said, well-documented. So when we think about how we got here, like how do we get to this place where we are still struggling? We talked in an earlier podcast about the fact that we still struggle with, you know, um, um, having, you know, um, representation of African-American teachers and mm -hmm. Latino teachers, mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it was by design. Yes. It was by design. Right. And, right. you know, as long as it took for us to kind of get to this place and have these really disparate outcomes, it's going to take the intention because those were intentional systems, mm -hmm. but it will take equally intentional people like you and me and like, like you listening to say, we're going to dismantle this system. Right. We're going to dismantle right. this and system. I really and, thought when the pandemic hit, that we had an opportunity yes. to rethink yes. schooling. And yeah. sadly, in our state, yeah. we didn't change we didn't anything. anything. Nothing really changed. Anything. You know? anything. We, did, we did more, you know, because we did more testing. And we did, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We did more of those practices that separate kids. Right, yeah. right. And, and we did not, we did not, um, we didn't rethink how schooling could happen. Right so that no child feels marginalized or right. we don't have, you know, large groups of, of students of color in the most under-resourced yes. schools in our state. That's right. Um, That's right. And New Jersey, by the way, in, this is our state, New, and we, you may be watching from somewhere else, but New Jersey is the sixth most segregated state in, in the, the country. That's right. Currently. Six. Yes. Mm -hmm. Right. We're not the South. <laughs> We're not the South. <laughs> That's right. right. That's right. Yeah. And, which is interesting mm -hmm. because New Jersey also has really high numbers of diversity. Right. Right. So, you know, so, you know, the, the fact that, you know, segregation is alive and well, you know, it's that is the result of another system. But right. we will have to say we'll have to that, revisit that. We will have to revisit podcast. that. But as you can tell, mm -hmm. we are pretty, um, um, you know, we've studied this a lot. We've read a lot about this. Yeah. We've studied this. And, and, and to a large extent, we've lived quite a bit of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, so we really, we really want to know what you think about this topic yeah. because, you know, this is a topic that um, there's a lot that you can read about this there's a lot to um to understand yeah. um and we're still learning there's still things that we're learning yeah. too on a regular basis um but you know we encourage you to share your feedback with us and to share this podcast and even have some open dialogue with your colleagues yeah. about this topic or your friends about this topic but then the other question is what are you going to do about it that's right you know what are you going to do about it yeah what are going to be your intentional moves to dismantle this system that has marginalized groups of students, groups of students, um, many of which or some of which you may work with. Yeah. 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 For far too long. Yeah. So we thank you for joining us again. I'm Tanya and I'm Erica and we look forward to seeing you in the next podcast. Thank you, everybody. Thank you.